Welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. The live audio stream is available at the Grace Covenant website, which can be found at grace-covenant.org. Just press the listen button.
Grace and peace on this 25th Sunday in Ordinary Season. Good morning and welcome to Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church on this Lord's Day. I am Calvin Sidnor IV, co-pastor here at Grace Covenant, and it's so good to be here and see everyone's bright, shiny faces. We greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on this beautiful day. <clears throat> All, of course, are welcome. Uh, to worship, whether here in person, thank you, as well as those who are listening over the radio airwaves or are watching online. We are grateful for your presence. You can read about the many ways in which to get involved in the church's life, uh, so we ask that you please read the bulletin. We have a, a full schedule uh, for September and October. I'd like to highlight, highlight some announcements. We invite everyone to Wednesday night supper. Last Wednesday, we resumed our fellowship over a meal, and it was amazing. Uh, the deacons did a wonderful job in making the return of the uh, Wednesday night supper memorable. Ammon Kelly, our new uh, chef, her food was uh, something to call home about. It was delicious. Um, and for those who are waiting for programming, know that we will get started in the month of October. So we hope to see you at Wednesday night supper. Also, ladies' Bible study will be this Tuesday, September the 20th at 10 a.m. All women are invited uh, to join in with this study group. Uh, please see your bulletin for the location and the contact people are Mary Gray and Lewis Rosebro, if you plan to attend. We are excited uh, that the Reverend John Scholler next Sunday will begin <clears throat> teaching a course entitled, cult, entitled Cultural Literacy and the Bible. Uh, bring your pen and pad and, and we will all learn together. Also, we plan on having the Reverend John Scholler bring us the word next Sunday. September is an important month in the life of Grace Covenant in many ways. But I want to magnify that uh, this September, the Loaves and Fishes Fun Drive um, is kicking off. Certainly you can give throughout the year, but this is the main month. Uh, it is our time to commit to contributions that support local families in great need and international missions. A Loaves and Fun pledge card is in your bulletin, or you can write a check to Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. In the memo line, please put Loaves and Fishes Fund. Lastly, we want to be a church grounded in the transformative power of prayer. Uh, please see Pastor Joanna and myself if you and me if you want to join our prayer team. We meet Wednesdays from 5 to about 6 uh, p.m. We would love to have your presence um, as we pray for our community here at Grace Covenant as well as uh, Richmond proper and the world. To God be the glory. If you have any prayer requests, please place them in the offering or you can place them in our prayer box which is located in the narthex. Let us now prepare our hearts and minds to worship our God.
please stand for the call to worship. Oh, let us worship God, our light and our salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of our lives. Make a joyful noise to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name and give him glorious praise. All the earth worships you. They sing praises to your name. Let us come into God's presence with thanksgiving, singing joyful songs and praise. Welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church at 1627 Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. This is the 99th year of radio ministry at Grace Covenant. Today's date is September the 18th, 2022, and today's broadcast is number 5058. This morning's sermon, entitled Shrewd Stewards, will be delivered by the Reverend Dr. Nelson Reevely, Pastor for Discipleship. Assisting in the service today are Christopher Martin, Director of Music and Organist, the Chancel Choir, Cheryl Jacobs, Liturgist, and Reverend Calvin Sidner IV, Covenant Co-Pastor. Our opening hymn is All Creatures of Our God and King, verses 1 through 3 and verse 6, which is number 455 in the Presbyterian Hymn.
In spite of God's love for us and gift of love to us, we often act in destructive and hateful ways. We close our hearts to God and disobey God's law. Together, let us confess our sin. Merciful God, we confess that we stray from your life-giving ways in thought, word, and deed. We fall short of following you with all our heart, soul, and might. And as a result, we fall short of loving our neighbors as ourselves. Graciously reform us in your mercy. Create in us a wise heart and put a new and steadfast spirit within us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your life-giving ways. Amen. Hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Let us lean into this good news of forgiveness and live in love with God and our neighbors. seated. At this time, children ages two to six are invited to the front of the sanctuary. Church volunteers will lead them to the fellowship hall for child care during the rest of the worship service. They will be in the back of the fellowship hall for pickup after worship. And nursery care for children ages two and under is also available in room 103.
praise God for our children. Let us now pray. Holy Spirit, pour out upon us wisdom and understanding that being taught by you in Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may be opened to receive all that leads to life and holiness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Old Testament reading this morning comes from Genesis chapter 41, verses 33 through 40. Listen carefully for the word of the Lord. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a man who is discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plenteous years. Let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and lay up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to befall the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through famine. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find anyone else like this, one in whom is the Spirit of God? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. Listen again to God's word for us. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a steward, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So the rich man summoned the steward and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your stewardship, because you cannot be my steward any longer. And then the steward said to himself, What will I do now? Now that my master is taking the position away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do, so that when I am dismissed as a steward, people may welcome me into their homes. So... Summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. And he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. And then he asked another, And how much do you owe? And he replied, A hundred containers of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest steward 
because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Gracious Lord, the preaching of your word, with the blessing of your spirit, grant that insofar as it is true to your everlasting goodness, it shall be undergirded by your power and by your love. And grant that insofar as it is false, it shall be swiftly forgotten and do no harm through Christ our Lord. Amen. As you all will recall, at this point in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way to the cross to bear the sins of the world on our behalf so that we might enjoy life abundant and right relationship with God and with one another. And as we've been hearing these last few weeks, Jesus had continued teaching along this way to Jerusalem, to the cross. And while he was often sparring with some of the Pharisees and the scribes, he shared this particular parable that we heard this morning with his disciples. And this always is honestly one of my favorite parables. And it's one I can only imagine that Jesus shared with a bit of a mischievous smile on his face as he conjured up this story of a generally derelict and dishonest but very shrewd steward. And he told his disciples, hey, hey, you all could learn something from a guy like this. But before we dive into the parable proper, I think it'll be helpful to make a few quick notes about parables on the whole. Parables constitute about a third of Jesus' words in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And personally, I've always found parables to be simultaneously incredibly poignant and also often unbelievably confusing and frustrating to understand. And there is debate amongst scholars and amongst Christians generally as to whether parables are supposed to be an easy, clear way to convey messages about God for everybody to understand, or whether they're rather intended to be a little bit confusing, if not very confusing to outsiders, those without, quote, ears to hear, as the Gospels say, while conveying secret, memorable messages that only true followers can really understand. And we get a taste of that when we often see the disciples having to ask Jesus what his parables meant. Now, parable comes from a Greek word, uh, para, which means alongside, uh, and bole, which means to throw or cast. So a parable, it's literally a story or an illustration that Christ casts metaphorically alongside a real-life situation. 
Presbyterian pastor and author Eugene Peterson describes the engaging power of parables as follows, quote, a parable is not ordinarily used to tell us something new, but to get us to notice something that we have overlooked, although it has been right there before us for years. Uh, Or it is used to get us to take seriously something that we've dismissed as unimportant because we have never seen the point to it. Uh, A parable is a way of saying something that requires the imaginative participation of the listener. Inconspicuously, even surreptitiously, Eugene Peterson writes, a parable involves the hearer. This brief, commonplace, unpretentious story is thrown into a conversation and lands at our feet compelling notice. A parable, again, literally means something thrown alongside of, to which our first response is, what is this doing here? When we hear a parable, we ask questions, we think, we imagine. New Testament scholar Kyle Snodgrass likewise notes that parables, quote, create an imaginary world that reflects reality, and their ultimate aim is to awaken insight, stimulate the conscience, and move to action. These are stories with the intent to, quote, get God's people to stop, reconsider their ways, and change their behavior. So parables are a call not just to reflection, but to ever more Christ-like, spirit-filled action. So what do we make of the parable that we heard this morning? Jesus tosses out a parable of a man who did his job so poorly that he got fired and then found a way to save his own skin by falsifying documents of what debtors owed to his soon-be former master and employer. And it seems like everybody in this parable is actually a bit off the straight and narrow. Because when the shrewd steward decides he's going to find a way, uh, find a way to move forward by trimming the bills of his master's debtors, those debtors happily reduce their bills. And the master, upon learning of it, he's not outraged, but he finds the steward's quick, pragmatic thinking impressive and even commends him for it. Uh, Everybody in the parable seems to be out for number one uh, to such an extent that they can appreciate when somebody else pulls off a particularly shrewd, clever job of self-promotion. Now the word shrewd, it comes from a Middle English word that originally meant rascal or evildoer. Uh, But in the 16th century, that word started to take on a meaning of being cunning or sly or artful or clever, keen-witted, in practical affairs. And the Greek word that we translate as shrewd in the Gospels, it's a Greek word called phronesis. And it is really a word that means practical wisdom, a capacity to discern and map out the means to get what you want, to get from one place to another. It's a word that's similar to that discernment that Joseph does. Uh, for Pharaoh in figuring out how to store up and manage seven years of plenty so that they could survive seven years of famine. Phronesis is a wisdom, a practical wisdom, about how to accomplish, accomplish things, how to get things done. And it technically could be applied to any end goal, which is perhaps part of the moral ambivalence we might associate with the word shrewd. But it was precisely this practical wisdom, how to achieve the ends you seek and to be clever, quick thinking, effective in that pursuit. That's what Jesus is uplifting as a model for the disciples in this parable. 
Jesus was telling his disciples, y'all could learn a lot from folks like that. You should be as eager and ingenious in pursuing the kingdom of God, in loving God and neighbor, as folks like the shrewd steward are in pursuing money, wealth, security for their own self-interest and selfishness. Jesus was saying if the disciples could be as effective, as quick-thinking, as scrappy, as discerning and serving God and neighbor as people can be in chasing wealth, then we'd really have something going. Jesus then further held that money, wealth, unrighteous mammon can and should be used to win friends and influence others for the kingdom of God. Jesus hits on the reality that money itself is just an instrument, a tool. And we get a hint of that as uh, that famous passage from 1 Timothy 6 proclaims that it's the love of money, not money itself, that is the root of all kinds of evil that causes some folks to wander from the faith and pierces them with many griefs. The love of money, not money itself. But a shrewd steward of money, of wealth, can use it in everyday life to further the kingdom of God. In his commentary on Luke, uh, Fred Craddock writes, quote, For all the dangers in possessions, it is possible to manage goods in ways appropriate to life in the kingdom of God. On this front, one could think maybe of that litmus test for shrewd stewardship of money being Jesus' words in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25 about the final judgment when Jesus talks about the nations being brought before God and the king saying to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Quite a powerful test of shrewd stewardship. Shrewd stewardship to care for those in need. That's something that stretches throughout Christian history. In his book, Christian Economic Ethics, Daniel Finn notes that leaders in the early church preached and encouraged people to abide by the following rule of thumb regarding wealth. Quote, if I have more than I need, and you have less than you need, I am obliged to share my surplus with you because God has given the earth to humanity and my wealth to me to meet the needs of all. Now, where and what the line is of basic needs, what is enough on that front, we should note is something that does depend to some extent on the society 
of which one is a part, and what is necessary to participate robustly as a community member and as a citizen of that society. For instance, to fully participate, to fully participate as a 21st century American, and in 21st century American life, you probably need reliable access to electricity, a computer, internet access, and the skills to navigate and use those technologies. You arguably need a cell phone, if not even a smart cell phone. Uh, and none of that, of course, would have been true even just maybe about 30 years ago. But that said, even if there is some variability to that line of what is enough, what are those basic needs, I think when we consider what is enough, what constitutes basic needs, it's also incredibly important, incredibly crucial and helpful to look out at the world around us, to maintain awareness of what so many folks around the world wrestle with on a daily basis. There are almost about 8 billion of us humans on planet Earth right now. And while standards of living have been improving dramatically for the last couple hundred years for so many folks, according to World Bank statistics, right now roughly 700 million people, 700 million people, about 9% of us, live on less than $2.15 per day. That is less than one, what one could generally get right here in the U.S. for $2.15 per day. 2.7 billion folks, about 33% of us, about a third of us, live on less than $5 per day, which caps out at about $1,800 a year. 4.5 billion people, about 58% of us, live on less than $10 a day, about $3,600 per year. You've got to get up to about $35 per day to start hitting that federal poverty line in the U.S. and about 6.6 .6 billion folks, about 82% of all humanity, live below that line. The World Bank uh, further fleshed out the reality of life in poverty with a study that they did entitled uh, Voices of the Poor. Can anyone hear us? in which they surveyed and discussed the experiences of being poor with uh, 40,000 folks who were living in poverty from 50 different countries. And some of the key themes that emerged from that study were first, that the causes of poverty were often complex and interlocking and mutually reinforcing. There are a lot of poverty traps that keep folks generationally locked in poverty. Second, that folks wrestling with poverty are acutely aware of the lack of voice and power and independence they have. That lack of voice and power and independence being something that makes them vulnerable to rudeness, humiliation, inhumane treatment at the hands of those who've got more power than them. A third aspect that arose from that study of the experience of poverty was that those in poverty often lack just basic infrastructure, things like roads, transportation, clean water, reliable electricity. And fourth, a common theme that arose was that illness is dreaded. Illness is dreaded given the way that it can plunge a family right into destitution through loss of work and as well as lack of affordable, available health care. Brothers and sisters, to some 
extent, everybody has got to discern within their own family or in their own individual budget what shrewd stewardship entails for them. And we should recognize, too, that dollars spent and dollars invested do create jobs, and work is ultimately where wealth is generated in the first place. Daniel Finn, in that same book, Christian Economic Ethics, also notes the strong theme throughout Scripture, as well as 2,000 years of Christian thought, that the ideal world, ideal world is one in which everybody has, quote, the skills and the opportunity to support themselves and their families through daily work. And that those who are, quote, too old or too young or too infirm to participate in that daily work are duly cared for by the community around them. And similarly, as some of us heard in the Love of God Neighbor class this morning, uh, Tim Keller echoes this idea around work in his book, Every Good Endeavor, where he writes that work and the wealth that it creates entails, quote, rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish. But I think the question of shrewd stewardship of following Christ in that discerning way with our money, our resources, I think it pushes us, it presses us, it calls us beyond that given economic reality that spending money as well as investing money does create jobs. Shrewd stewardship, that discernment calls us and pushes us to ask beyond that reality how we can most effectively steward our resources to the glory of God, to the love of our neighbors, to the care of God's good creation. Because we can be very intentional, very shrewd stewards about how we make and spend and save and invest and give our resources on that front. And we need to be very shrewd stewards in discerning where and how we can most effectively and directly help brothers and sisters who are wrestling with poverty right this red hot second. The world is a complex place. Disagreements about aid and development and policy, they can be confusing. And yet in the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., there is a quote, fierce urgency of now for so many millions and billions of people living in or right on the razor's edge of impoverishment. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God help each one of us to follow and to enlist that example of that shrewd steward toward the end of loving God our creator and our redeemer, and loving our neighbors as ourselves, especially those most in need of aid. May God inspire us to steward the resources in our charge effectively and cleverly unto God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May God help us to be shrewd stewards who can discern how much is enough for us, especially for our basic needs and how we can most powerfully bless those around us with our resources as well. To God be the glory, brothers and sisters, forever and ever. Amen.
You are listening to the live broadcast of a worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You have just heard this morning's sermon entitled Shrewd Stewards, which was delivered by the Reverend Dr. Nelson Reevely, pastor for discipleship. The congregation will now join in singing Lord of Light, Your Name Outshining, which is number 425 in the Presbyterian Hymnal.
Brothers and sisters, we have responded to God's word with song. Now let us respond by stating what we believe using the Apostles' Creed as printed in the bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. And let us go to our God in prayer. Nurturing Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this chance to be gathered together in your name. God, we ask that you help us to serve as your shrewd stewards shrewd stewards of your love, of your creative grace, of your saving grace for us and for the world. Help us to live in ways that compellingly proclaim the good news that you not only made each one of us a part of this good creation in your very own image, but God, that you also came incarnate as Christ to bear our sins, to save us from sin and from death, so that we might thrive and that we might live abundantly in your image unto the kingdom come, unto the resurrection. God, inspire us to show compassion, generosity, justice, faithfulness in our everyday lives. Break the hold idols and temptations may have over our hearts and our minds so that we can serve you ever more fully. Help us to live simply and to share boldly of our time and our talents and treasures to your glory. Lord, we ask that you bless Grace Covenant in this way and bless all your churches throughout the world, all your congregations throughout the world, that we may serve as illuminating, enticing, inviting beacons of your light and everlasting goodness. Lord, we pray as well today for all of our leaders, local leaders, state leaders, national leaders, global leaders, leaders in politics, leaders in business, leaders throughout the church. Lord, may our leaders be shrewd, faithful stewards for the common good, 
And we ask that you help us all participate fully and humbly and respectfully in that collaborative work of the common good with one another, finding ways that we can live and be together even when we disagree. Unify us, Lord, in and amidst those disagreements to find ways we can work together. And healing, Lord, we pray today as well and always, as always, for everybody who is suffering in this congregation, in this city, in this region, in this nation, across your creation. Lord, we pray for your healing touch over all those suffering, whether from loss or loneliness, whether from injury or illness, whether from abuse or violence, whether from despair or impoverishment. God, help each one of us to know your presence all around us, to feel your presence all around us in our bones, to grow in relationship with you. And God, we ask that you do mighty deeds beyond anything we could imagine to bind up the brokenhearted, and that you use us as instruments of your peace and of your healing. We pray your blessing on that front, Lord, over the Loaves and Fishes Fund and the work that it does in this city and around the world. Finally, Lord, we give thanks to, even in our sorrow for those who have gone before us, to rest in and with you unto the day of your return, Lord, the resurrection to come, when every tear will be wiped away as laughter, love, and embraces are reborn. God, give those of us facing death strength and trust in you, and those of us mourning death strength and trust in you. Make each of us shrewd stewards with one another of the mysteries of the gospel, the good news that you have taken on and conquered sin and death on our behalf. And now, Lord, we enfold all of these prayers and the prayer that you taught us when you came incarnate as Christ, our crucified risen Messiah, to shower us with your healing love so that we could live abundantly in your image. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I invite Brian Baird forward now to share about the Loaves and Fishes Fund and the pledge drive that we have going on this September. Good morning, everyone. And as the bulletin states, Nelson, we can all see that Nelson is over there and I am over here presenting this myself. I'm Brian Baird. And I want to highlight that this week and next week, we are having our annual Loaves and Fishes Pledge and Fund Drive. As many of you know, the Loaves and Fishes Fund, it's a ministry of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church, which supports both international missions and also local families. Half of the funds in 
the Loaves and Fishes Fund are given to international missions such as Kish, which just returned last month from a medical mission trip where they removed over 100 cataracts from folks in Honduras. And also the, the Chikus and other mission partners who we have in Moldova who are supporting Ukrainian refugees with humanitarian work there. The other half of the funds are given towards local needs, uh, local families that are at serious risk of slipping into a, an emergency situation or are already in an emergency situation. This past year, Loaves and Fishes has helped eight local families your support has made it so that a family has been able to escape domestic violence by getting a security deposit on a new place to live. Your support over the last year has made it possible for a mother to get car repairs so that she can keep her job and care for her kids. It has helped multiple other families get out from overhanging gas and electrical and other kinds of bills which they were otherwise unable to pay it has helped a Ukrainian refugee family and an Afghan refugee family here in Richmond. So your support directly helps and cares for these neighbors in incredibly powerful ways, and the Discipleship Committee is deeply grateful for your help. As Nelson has preached the word this morning from Matthew 25, we are trying to be shrewd stewards of these finances and help those in need. If you would like to make a pledge for the coming year, from September of this year through August of next year, there is a card in the bulletin this morning. You can keep that and pray over it uh, and either make a pledge or a donation. As usual, you can write a check to the church and just denote in the memo line, loaves and fishes, or donate online at grace-covenant.org. Grace and peace, and thank you for your prayer prayerful consideration and support. With thankfulness, we give in gratitude and joy. With prayerfulness, we give in sacrifice and love. With hopefulness, we give in commitment to our God. And now, brothers and sisters in Christ, as recipients of abundant life in Christ, we now offer our gifts to God. As the ushers come forward and pass the plate, please place your attendance cards, your prayer requests, and offering in the plate. For those worshiping with us at home, we encourage you to continue your financial ministry by sending your offering either through the mail, or through your bank, or online at www.grace-covenant.org backslash give hyphen online. To God be the glory for our many blessings.
God of wonder, we offer you these humble gifts, signs of your goodness and mercy. Receive them with our gratitude, that through us all people may know the riches of your love in this world made flesh. Amen. Please join in as we sing hymn 391, Take My Life in the Blue Hymnal. And now, sisters and brothers, as we go forth to grow in the love of God and in the love of our neighbors as ourselves, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen.
For the past hour, you have been listening to the worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Also assisting in the service today were Reverend Joanna Sidner and Brian Baird. Please join us again next Sunday through our radio ministry or in our sanctuary at 1627 Monument Avenue. Reminder that the next Red Cross Blood Drive sponsored by the church will be Saturday, October the 1st from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. However, it will be held at the downtown YMCA. Your announcer today has been John Harris and the engineer was Steve Kemp. This service streams live and can be accessed through the Grace Covenant website, which is grace-covenant.org. We now return you to the Truth Network on WLAS 590 AM 97.7 FM.